This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. Hey everybody, welcome back to Educational Triage. This is Tony, and of course, I am joined with the jubilant, jubilant. jovial, and okay. jocular Philip. Aloha. How are you doing? <laughs> jocular. I'm well. I'm feeling well today. We need to start using our vocabulary words, don't we? Oh, we do. Let's just start going through and come up with the word of the day thing. But that's superfluous, <laughs> I think. Why do people use big words when diminutive ones work just fine? <laughs> because it shows a bit of intellect and little words <laughs> are just too easy. And sometimes you just want to sort of make some of those people that don't really know what they are who think that they're bigger than they are. Um, the people easy. think that they have the, the people who like to pretend to be elite. It makes them run around in circles <laughs> because they're trying to figure out how to spell it so they can Google it. And then if you use a string of them, then they really lose it. That's where those words with like strings of vowels come in handy, like convenience. <laughs> and also language is fun. It is. Language is fun. Except, yeah. you know, except for when you're not. It's like when I was learning it, it didn't seem fun, but now I enjoy it. It's, like it's just certain mastery. <laughs> right. So anyway, this week, we are talking about hidden expulsions. And this came from an article in the Hetchinger Report. And it was written by, it's a very well-written article, and it was written by Tara Garcia Mathewson. <laughs> and it appeared in the Hetchinger Report, but it also appeared the same day in the Los Angeles Times. So, and I am going to put the link for the Hetchinger Report down below, and I will also attempt to put in the Los Angeles Times as well as the same article. But, um, yeah, so hidden expulsions, <laughs> let's define what hidden expulsions are. So why don't we start off with that first? So you hear the term hidden expulsions. What do you think of Philip? Well, yeah, I know I'm thinking of the terminology itself. Um, hidden expulsions to me is a catchy phrase. Um, it means that to me, it means that there are kids that are being expelled from the schools um, and they're not being accounted for on the books. Um, and then my next question would be, well, where are they going? And then my answer would be, it kind of goes to that spoiler alert. There's an awful lot of kids of color in alternative programs. 
And mm-hmm. that sort of reveals the true hidden um, word there that yeah, to be like expelled. They're not really expelled. It's kind of hidden. But what it is is a lot of kids of color are in alternative programs. And that's a good question. Why are they there? But that's that's the bigger sort of description about it all. I, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, that's what comes to mind. Hidden expulsions okay. is sort of a political way of, I think, it's moving a, the goalposts a little bit. Well, we're going to get into the civil rights um well, what's it called? The civil rights data collection in a minute. Yeah. But, yeah. and that's where it came from. And so they, well, you don't understand. Actually, from personal experience and then the research that we were doing, I'm going, holy cow. <laughs> this is sort right. of the same thing that I'm, I was seeing in my district ages ago. Yeah. Yeah. Because what they do is, so they don't look as though they are being, um, as though they're targeting BIPOC kids? Yeah, that tends to be what's the hidden part. <laughs> Black, indigenous people of color. At Islanders, there was in my district, there were tons mm-hmm. of kids who were... Um, Islanders. Yeah. Right. And the Black population is growing in the community where I was working. And there's uh, a huge, huge Latin population there, too. Yeah, yeah that too. So they didn't want their numbers to reflect any kind of bigotry or anything that said that they were doing any <laughs> racial profiling in a sense where they were just yeah. targeting kids of color. And so what they do is they bypass expulsions. And the article is really interesting because some of the parents come armed with an attorney and they'll um, meet with the district, and the district will not even consider going for an expulsion because the parents know that they don't have a leg to stand on. But instead, the district says, your child will be transferred, and we're transferring them to this program. So uh, yeah. it's they just want to move the pro they they want to move what they would deem the problem. To another to another site, and more likely than not, it's either another school in the district out of out of district transfer, or to an alternative program, or even a juvenile justice program. Or yeah, one of the alternative d- disciplinary alternative. Programs. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and Ooh. so where yeah. we've worked, I mean, they've gone to OICP, they've gone into different discipline programs. Yeah, there are so many different kinds of alternative programs but we'll get into all of that the um yeah. i think because that's worth really getting into it's not necessarily a bad thing to be placed in an alternative program well it can it be because it oh, can, but it can be of course yes it can be and especially when we read off some of the numbers when we go through some of the numbers as we get in there um it will be a problem because We've talked about funding, and I have been illuminated about how why states do not meet their constitutional obligation. Ah. And that will be um, an, a YouTube episode that will be coming up in the near okay. future. But 
um, where we talk, where I will talk about funding, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you and I can discuss this too. So why it matters to everybody is if you, when we talked about rating our schools, which we finished uh, two, three weeks ago, um, we talked about funding and the equitable nature of funding where certain schools are not receiving as much funding as others. Maybe they're in the wrong tax. The property taxes just aren't generating the enough. property values aren't as high. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> but whatever, but those are the students who really require far more resources because they don't have access to those. And mm. if a district is not meeting those, uh, meeting the need of those students, then how much respect do they have for anybody else in the district? That's my big question. So, because that's where you see who they're propping up. And we talk about equity and and districts always talk about equity. Well, on the surface, yeah, they are. As long as the equity is a star that's normalized in the big high schools. And it's not the kids that are struggling that have to work through the muck and the mire. Did you ever see touching the void? I, this oh, may absolutely. sound like a leap may oh, yeah. sound like a leap, but yeah, Joe Simpson okay. and Simon Yates. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and for those of you who don't know, it's the true story of these two climbers and they go climbing in Peru and they go up this mountain face that nobody's done before and they go up there and what happens is uh way down they're on the way back they get caught and the the, something happens falls and he shatters his knee that's it shatters it and now he's he's basically invalid and he has to be he has to be he has to be laid down he has to be you know, lowered down by rope by Simon. Right, Gates right. Because he and can't then, move. But then, yeah, he has to cut him. He runs him over. He gets because it's dark and stormy. He puts him over a cliff, basically a precipice. Yeah, and he's holding him, but he can't bring him back up. And he holds him and holds him for a very long time. But after a while, Joe Simpson isn't moving, so he thinks he's dead, and he cuts the rope. But Joe Simpson wasn't dead, and he fell into a crevasse. And when he awoke, he was able to climb, crawl out of this crevasse because it was level with a lower piece of itself, and out into the glacier. And he crawled back to the camp where they were about like to leave. Long time. Yeah, he's already was he about to leave or was he already gone? No, he's about to leave. No, Burning they were about clothes. to leave because they had yeah. somebody else staying with them who yeah. didn't like him. Yeah, well, they and just kept saying, disregarded him. And just said, you know what? He's gone. We just need to move on. He, he, yeah. And he, he, it was interesting because when Yates cut that rope, it's like, it, it, you could see both sides of it. It's like that mm-hmm. mind game. Yeah, it's like a mental puzzle. Are you the one holding the rope? How long do you hold? Are you hanging on the other side of the rope? What can you so, expect? Right. So, what I want you to think about is these are the kids that have. A shattered knee and have been cut. That's an excellent analogy. Yeah. They take a lot of it.
And so without any resources, they have to figure out a way to crawl out. And you have district administrators and you also have teachers and other staff who aren't really on the side of the kid. They say that they are. They like to virtue signal that they are, but they really don't. And so it's 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 really revealing about different people when you hear them talk about different students. And yeah, I think we all get caught up in it from time to time because sometimes our nerves are just frayed. But the fact that he made it out, and sometimes those kids will make it out. Sometimes they can't they, they, because they, they just can't. They just don't have it in them. There's too many because, the odds are stacked against them. Like yeah, immensely. and so yeah. so when you do these things and you put them into these other programs, what's going to happen? That's why this matters because you're not looking at what is the cause of the issue. Now there was a rep- there there were some articles that were written and there's a podcast on the ACLU site where this woman talks about how in pre-K that's when a lot of the school to prison pipeline begins because you're looking at students of color who uh, and you and I were talking about this earlier who are kicked out of the programs say Head Start or whatever, for aggressive behaviors, but they're not looking at what's causing it. And sometimes the parents don't have the resources in order to really understand what's actually happening with their kid. And so there need to be some kind of social or special ed services or something because we're talking about autism. We're talking about all kinds of different that you can't just plop into this hole or another and say, okay, this this is what it matches. It's almost a game of twister because you have to figure out which, you know. Who's it serving? I mean, the the hidden expulsion system. Does it serve the district or does it serve the students? It serves the data numbers, I think, yeah. is what it does. It doesn't serve the students. It's shell games, doesn't it? They're it's not the, out. We're not expelling those kids. They're over here. <laughs> and then they're under-supporting them. It's the easiest way to deal with a problem. Yeah. And put it out of sight. Yeah, that too. It's yeah. It, yeah. But I would say because right. it takes effort to deal with the problem and that takes a, a minimal effort to just set up a school or a program and go, go there. Right. And then how much effort does a, does a district actually put into their alternative ed programs? Uh, and that to, is almost a rhetorical question, but we already know the answer. You know we? the answer. They constantly so, underfund those things. Mm-hmm. And because they require far more resources because the kids require more resources. And they, I don't think a lot of times they know how to run them. They, they're still in a different mindset. For example, building that bigger school and going, oh, we're building the alternative school here. And, you know, we're sending the funny looking kids, 300 of them over to this building. It's like, wait a minute, hold on, slow down, Turbo. That's another high school. It's just another high school. Uh, you can... Call the right. kids in it alternative because they dress weird, but that's just another high school. The structure's the same. The class buildings. There's a principal and a vice principal. It's like, well, that's not an alternative school. That's not alternative to anything. But no, that's not alternative. <laughs> well, the school that you're talking about, they actually took the format that was founded that was foundational for that program, for that school, 
mm-hmm. which had satellites around them. And then they wanted to bring all those back in together uh-huh. and not have all the satellites. But they wanted to get more students. They wanted to be able to serve more students. But nobody that they've had in leadership at that school in the past, it, it's been well over a decade. No, no, a decade is 10 years, right? Yeah. 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 Sorry. <laughs> it's evening. It's been a long day. Then the past, it's been far more than the last decade, almost 15 years, actually understands how the program was written how it worked, what the philosophy behind it was, and why everything was intentional. It was a very intentional program because everything was created and carved out and placed with great intention. And you had two leaders who were there who worked with each other because when one left, the other one came in and honored that system. And then then when that one retired, the district said, we need a placeholder. They threw somebody in who could care less well, and just demolished it. Well, yeah, they, I know you're speaking of. Yeah, I think the person they brought in, they, it's not so much they could care less, but they, they sort of were absent. They were given other duties. And that job was accorded only so much time by the district and that person. And that's just no way to do it. We ran ourselves for a while. But still, you Not need to have a leader that. A leader. Yeah, it didn't have need, a leader. You need and to have an intentional leader. Yeah, it broke down. And right. people started leading from the sidelines, and they were leader cliques and people who couldn't lead trying to lead. And it was like, it was leader bedlam. It was actually kind of fun to watch. Anyway. Um, but anyway, it's it doesn't serve the students. No, the students lost all that structure and support and consistency that they mm-hmm. really came to depend upon. Right. So, okay. So that's why they matter. That's why kidney expulsions matter is because students need to know that they count for something. And if you're just kicking them down the road, what are you telling them? Yeah. The detention room just got a little bigger. Exactly. And we don't get PE. (laughs) It's like, hey, it's pretty much. I used to like to mess around and pee. (laughs) Yeah. Because those most alternate programs in in smaller buildings or areas like that don't have gyms. So there you go. Mm-hmm. You'll lose things like that. That's intangible, you'd think, but it's not. It's kind of quality of quality of life factors in schools. Okay. Let's switch just a wee bit and let's go to why suddenly we start seeing a lot more of these hidden expulsions. Yeah, hidden expulsions. Um, and in twenty twelve we had the civil rights data collection. And that found that black students were three times more likely to be expelled from school than white students. And this disparity was even greater for students with disabilities, with black students with disabilities being six times more likely to be expelled than white students with disabilities. And in response to these findings, the U.S. Department of Education issued a Dear Colleague letter in 2014, urging schools to take steps to reduce the number of expulsions for students of color. The letter noted that disproportionate discipline is a serious problem that can have a negative impact on students' educational opportunities and life outcomes. Yeah. 
The letter also provided guidance on how schools could reduce the number of expulsions for students of color. This guidance included recommendations for developing clear and consistent discipline policies that are applied fairly to all students, providing training to staff on how to implement discipline policies in a fair and equitable manner, creating a positive school climate that supports all students, providing support to students who are struggling academically or behaviorally. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Support to the students, yeah. The Dear Colleague letter was a significant step in the fight against disproportionate discipline. However, more work is needed to ensure that all students, regardless of their ace or ethnicity, have the opportunity to succeed in school. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. I, was like, I was wondering if there's anything missing. <laughs> I like those guidelines. Um, there are not too many of them. Right. Sometimes they overdo it. It's like, uh, I think you're kind of shooting from the moon there. I oh. think I think that it's one of those layers that teachers are, this is when things started getting a little wonky for teachers. And <laughs> teachers were trying to work with their students. Yeah, keep going. I think you're on to something. It, and then, maybe I should keep going. Yeah. Something okay. occurred to me. So- you have a disciplined kid. You got a kid who comes in your face, right? And mm-hmm. let's say you're me. You're a white middle class. I know. <laughs> you're, you're a white male teacher and the student has like a problem with you. And they go, hey, what, here's my problem with you. Or they get in your face. Get in your face. I think that a, a black student getting in a white male's face for a lot of stressed out teachers or even a, any kind of teacher who's just sort of not culturally um, in tune with a young black mm-hmm. male and when they get in your face it's they get they overreact they're more comfortable when the white kids do it or the way the white kids do it per se and when you're stressed there's a lot of misreading of people and it goes both ways if you like say hey don't do that and the kid of color says hey you know and they've had a bad day you know and they say what are you talking about and they come at you know a couple steps and you could see that it's threatening but that's just a difference in the way kids behave. And I think if you see that black kid and you're not used to that sort of, you know, that behavior from a black kid as you are a white kid, you tend to overreact to touch like, hey, wait, whoa, you know, you're really coming at me kind of thing. It's like, not really. They're a teenage boy. And it's mm-hmm. not that they're coming at you. It's just that you're seeing it that way because you're not culturally in tune with the fact that he may take one step towards you and a white kid wouldn't. The fact is, they're just wanting to present their beef at you, and they're stressed too. But if you're stressed, it's like, hey, this kid scares me. I'm done with this, and get them out of here kind of thing. And so it's that's where the subconscious sort of race relations comes in. Someone says, I'm not racist. It's like, well, technically, you kind of are because you're treating a certain group differently because of their race. It's you're not a malevolent, you know, awful racist, but that is a racist sort of reaction. I think it comes from the perception through your own personal lens. Exactly. And And, you're not used to that. And the kids, maybe the kid's tall and scary and he's black. It's also, hey, I'm scared. This kid, you know, and white kids deliver a different kind of indignance. And and at some level, the indignance is unacceptable, you know, for sure. But I'm talking about those minor skirmishes that turn into big things. Because they're just misread. 
Sometimes they are. That's when I like to talk to the students and say, okay, explain this to me. Exactly. That's where you got to go, oh, hang on there. Because what's what's going on? What's typical here? I I had an Islander student and we were talking and I didn't know any better. And I kept saying, you need to look people in the eyes. Oh, yeah. Well, guess what? A sign of disrespect. There you go. So if you did that, it would be disrespectful to me because I'd learned, yes, I wouldn't, I couldn't do that. I, I respect you. So it's, you don't yeah. know what's going on. Different cultures have different norms. Exactly. So I, exactly. what I found. Islanders are very quiet and they, they're kind of very serious looking. You might take them as, hey, this is guys stew and it's like no they're thinking and they're looking at you listening it just it's that mm-hmm. face that they made. yeah so, so what i've always learned was that if a student became upset with me and they came at me not uh, not aggressively yeah but they took a step towards me yeah my first reaction would be to take a deep breath and that's what a and good just to do. start letting it go little by little yeah. because you don't know what's up and you don't want to have the wrong reaction. Yeah. You just don't want to, you don't want to go head on. And right. sometimes your gut tells you, oh, you're just, you're just annoyed. It's a bad day. And some kid, like you're trying to take role, right? And this kid walks in and he's, he's like late, not only late, but he's singing. How you doing? Oh, Hey, you know, and it's like, what a jack wagon. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I work alone. Can you sit down? You know, it's kind of like you take yourself self back a step. But what he did was truly rude and obnoxious. However, it's a teenage boy. <laughs> it's like, of course, that's what they are. Truly weird, rude and obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes if you if you comment <laughs> on it, you've just fallen into their trap. Oh, never, never do that. And don't take them on. How dare you walk into my classroom like that? It's right. like, wow, that's just like right out of a movie from the 40s. I'll show you. <laughs> but I think that what this points out is something that you and I have discussed several times mm-hmm. on the podcast, which is some a lot of times, one, kids are going to act out because they don't understand what the heck's going on. Secondly, you, you have no idea what the other life of that student is outside. Remember, yeah. you have a 1% to 14% chip impact on their outcome. On their outcomes. Yeah, wow. Whoa. Everything else is yeah. everything else is peripheral to the school. And people yeah. believe that the school is going to be the, this huge cataclysmic change it's going to be this catalyst that's going to do it for a lot of students it does for some yeah but you know what you have to give them a reason and you have to let them know there are students i can say this because i know that that um nobody will identify this person there was a student that i heard of and would come in would act out Every single day. It wasn't until later that we learned that the father had been raping her and that she had already had four abortions. She was 17 by this time. The mother told her that if she reported the father, she would kill her. The kid went into the hospital 
for suicidal ideation, the parents told her, you're not talking about anything while you're in there. You come home. And you wonder why this kid was acting out at school. Yeah, you wonder. You know, I mean, there were so many other instances of what was of of students and the things that are going on with them. So we don't know what the life is outside. So unless you start taking into account these very things and you start bringing in social services, you start figuring out what the stories are. Every student has a story. Some of them are glorious. Some of them are really dank. Some of them are real, real, I'm just going to say crappy. Yeah. So you, you don't know. I, found, and there's, I didn't know the story sometimes. That was better. It's like, I don't need to know the story. Right. But they say it's really bad. You want to know it? No, no I don't really want to know it. Just so are you bad and that's fine. Are you going to be a little pinpoint of light for that child, that student? Or are you simply going to take duct tape and just strap them down even further? So I, I think I dealt with that similar stories, but yeah, not tragically anybody succeeded suicide. <laughs> That's yeah, that, I never had that one. Well, I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, I, I was, bet I, I was absolutely floored. I bet it's one of those. And things. I told the mom, I said, I'll call you right back. And I turned around and I looked at my director and I said, we need to talk. Yeah. So we put together a battle plan and, you know, and then I would, they were coming to me saying, how are we going to help you? And I said, I'm fine. I'm just worried about the, the family. Yeah. First, I, I think you can help me by helping them. And then after that, I'll probably feel better and I'll let you know. But right now, you yeah. have something to do kind of thing. Uh, it's that which is a good if you have purpose. Um, right. That's what you really need. Don't take that from people. Like, that was one of the things I always gave the kids, you know, with the, um, you know, the three hours, the relevance, um, just that's the purpose. Why are you learning this? I never told them, just learn it. It's because I, cause I said so. I hate that because I said so. I'll, here's the reason. And I told them too, it was a boring. It's one of those boring things we got to do, but it's practice and it helps you. So practice, practice well and you'll do well. Things, you know. Yeah, relevance, very important purpose. So what are the impacts of these hidden expulsions. Well, let's take a look at the students. There, there's an article. I'm not sure that you read it or not. Um, Which one? It's the one about the. He's a white kid, and I want to say he's in the Carolinas. And he was being bullied by his school administrator and constantly kicked out to the to the alternative disciplinary program for one thing or another. I mean, he just couldn't catch a break. And he kept falling further and further behind. And I think that that illustrates the next point that I want to make, which is one of the biggest impacts is that students fall behind because there is no, there need to be IEPs, I think, or a learning plan, individual learning plan, an ILP, for every student that goes into an alternative education program where they are matched up with somebody who knows 
pretty much kind of knows their story, but also without getting into all the social aspects, gets a hit on the learning, how this student learns, where the deficits are, and what they need to be working on, and what were they working on before they left, and where were they having the problems, so that they can build on those, and they can scaffold, and they can get them into where they need to be and try to figure out some different um, formulas that'll get them there. The problem right now with a lot of districts is that they are throwing kids into a canned online program where they have to go in and learn off the computer from somebody who doesn't know them from Adam and doesn't really care because they've already recorded their stuff and they are no longer there. So they either get it right or they need history. Take history. Oh, I don't want to take that particular. Can I have some help? Well, it'll help you. There's right. some things in there. Help you. What? It's a it's a canned program. I know the canned and it's program. a right or wrong. You either yeah. get it or you don't. There's no yeah. There's, there's no, no guidance. There's no nuance. There's no explanation about. There's no over you know, over viewing. Yeah. There's no philosophy. It's just like answer the question, move on. So they answer the question, mm-hmm. move on, or they don't. They can't, mm-hmm. and they don't get the help. I mean, they right. should, but they don't. Otherwise, they would get different curriculum. And the thing is, is that districts don't trust their alternative ed staff or else they don't train them or because there is no training for alternative ed. Yeah, there is none. And, and you know, I was talking, I was speaking with um, Dr. Letitia Woodley, and this was over a year ago. And I asked her, I said, where is there any form of alternative ed training? And she said, well, there isn't. And she said, that's one of my projects that I really want to get going. And I thought, well, rocket right on, you know, because I think we really need to have that. And we even tried to do a show on that. We, we do have a few ideas I could, I could offer. Yeah. Size, but, that's my big thing. Don't make a but, big alternative school. <laughs> but yeah. An alternative educator needs to be somebody who is empathetic, mm-hmm. compassionate, knows boundaries, is creative, <sighs> yeah, and understands how to manipulate the information and work with the kid in order to figure out what way will work best with the kid and not be so tied into their own ego that it's their way or the highway, but they're willing to listen to other people and say, I need an idea. Can you help me? And then, you know, you formulate something. A good teacher, good teacher isn't, they're not egocentric. They can't be. They'd be in a a tiz. It'd be too much coming in all at once just to draw Mm -hmm. boundaries and lines everywhere. No. You can't apply yourself to it. You have to accept it the way it comes. And in an alternative ed, you really have to get flexible and varied. And, and if, that's the greatest part of it is you can actually go to places that are varied, diverse, and very interesting good places, you know, with learning instead of here's the worksheet. Right. Right. And even though we may give them packets, a good alternative ed teacher will work with those students on those packets and see where they are and be able to suss out whatever needs to be sussed in order to get the student to understand what's happening. Yeah. It's not a one size fits all, even if it is a 
packet that's a one size fits all kind of thing. Right. And maybe yeah, you're gonna exactly. maybe you're just gonna cremate this piece of the packet because mm-hmm. you and the student have agreed that you're gonna do something else that would be far more beneficial for them. Exactly. Or they've proven the competencies and it's like, well, I you, you know, you can do this kind of stuff. Oh yeah, you know, show me. Oh yeah. Oh no worries. Mm-hmm. We'll move on. This activity, you know, doesn't really you've done this sort of thing before. That's good. Right. Yeah, now the other just because it's there. <laughs> the other impact of these transfers in the LA Unified School District in twenty one mm-hmm. twenty two, they took sixteen thousand three hundred students and transferred them to fifty three programs in the district. 53 schools and alternative programs in the district. That comes out to 661 students per alternative program slash school. Wow. I'm just trying to figure out how you can break that all up. That's way too many kids for, for an alternative program or school. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Some of them are small enough to really be effective. That means some of them are massive. They're like, yeah. They got like a thousand, twelve hundred plus kids in them. Right. <laughs> Holy cow. And not only that, but it puts an undue burden on the schools. They don't have yeah. the proper resources. Um, they're packing the classrooms. They're creating dangerous situations for students yeah. and staff. They're just moving people around. They're mo- Did you ever see the movie Precious? No, I haven't. Watch the movie Precious. Yeah. And I want you to look at, I want you to think about education through her eyes. I know the premise of the film. Right. But watch the movie. The movie is impactful. I bet. (laughs) I bet. That's a very sympathetic character. I mean, yeah. So if we are packing the classrooms and packing the programs like that with programs that need to be working with these students that you have, that you have brought over that you've grabbed a net and you drop it on. I worked in the fishing business. So when they bring up the seines, that the, the saners bring up the nets and then you pick the nets and you take all the fish out of the nets and then they go into a cargo hold. And they, then they get ready so that they can take them over to a fish processor or to the dock for fish processing. That's exactly what you've done. You've just had, you've put all these fish in there, all these students in there, mm-hmm. and now you want them to be processed. Well, guess what? Each one of those fish needs to have an individual processor. And they need to be taken care of individually. So how are you going to do that? And without the funding, you're going to have far more students who are going to drop out of school. There are far more that are going to have to go for their GED. You're going to have students who cannot, they cannot graduate because they can't make it past a certain grade level because you keep disrupting their education and they don't want to be where you put them. Yeah. And then they say that and you take exception to it. Right. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the California state superintendent 
Tony Thurman now says, this is from February of this year, 2023. We have to educate our kids, not incarcerate them and provide them with opportunities for learning and to succeed. Taking students out of learning time through suspensions and expulsions is proven to push them toward the criminal justice system. School districts trying to hide actual discipline rates through practices such as masking expulsions as transfers will not be tolerated. California is the only state doing this. Oh, it's not the only state that's doing all of this, though. Oh, it's not the only state. I no. mean, I would think that that's... I worked in a district well. where they did it. Yeah. It is interesting. Now, if the student was expelled for... And, and it, there were dangerous that, you know, the student that was expelled is a danger to other people. They tried to find other ways of, of dealing with yeah. the suspension or expulsion. I had one student who pulled a knife. And so what the district said was, your student will come only into your room and will leave by your room. They are not allowed on any other part of the campus. And I said, they're not going to go with that. And they said, they don't have a choice. And I said, sure they do. They can say no. They said, don't give them that option. I said, they have that option because they are a free human being. Yeah, they, they always get that option. I said, no. I, I said, if you want to run a concentration camp, by all means, go out there and do it. But you're not going to have anybody attending. Well, it's a little overreach. Who's going to monitor that? And so the student came by and he said, OK, I'm going to go meet up with my friends. And I said, you cannot leave this room except to go home. And he said, F that. And then he got up in my face and I said, dude, don't get up in my face. You need a friend here, and I'm your friend. <laughs> I'm not seeing anybody else who's doing much for you. So if you want to, if you want to smoke me, then that's fine. Smoke me, but you're going to find yourself really lonely, and you're not going to have any options. Yeah. And he just, and then he calmed down, but he had some emotional issues too, and so, <laughs> and I said, and I was pushing for tutoring. Mm. which is what we got finally but they weren't gonna they weren't gonna give him tutoring it's expensive well they demanded that he come into the class into the into the into my part of the building and then leave without having any interactions with anybody that he knew which like i said he's gonna monitor that effectively well they wanted me and Anytime that, that he had to go to the office or the bathroom or because we were self-enclosed because we had bathroom, we had kitchen and all that. Yeah. But anytime that he had to go to the office, I was supposed to walk with him. And I said, not my job. I have other students, yeah. too. And they said, well, what? our hands are tied. And I said, no, they're not. Get him tutoring. They're not necessarily tied. You just don't like the outcome. You. <laughs> they don't like what they need to do. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So, okay. Expulsions. That's a that's a hidden expulsion. Wow. Mm -hmm. We're just going to treat them totally different. We're just not well, going like, to get rid of them. Well, they figured that th they were trying to hand him over to me. Yeah. I don't. You're not. That's. And, wow. 
I had 24 other students that I needed to work on. That's, this where, one, that's where your responsibility lies amongst right. those other. And students. I'm not, I'm not an SRO. No, I'm a I'm teacher. Not, yeah. So yeah, anyway, part two, okay. asking teachers to do everything in the world. It's like, exactly. They do it either. They should refuse. Some of them don't. I'll do that. But you're not a neurosurgeon. Well, I can try. Like, <laughs> I've seen some teachers do some pretty stupid things because they wanted to help. It's like, you, you don't even know the first thing about that role. I mean, like, yeah. No. How many teachers are going to grab a scalpel kit now and go in, look at their principal and just t- kind of take it out and look at the scalpel and look at the principal? And if they say, what are you doing? Just say, you want me to be a neurosurgeon? Fly back. <laughs> I can try <laughs> once. <laughs> okay. In some states like Arizona, students are constantly being suspended for being tardy for class. I never understood suspending anybody for not coming to school, but okay. It makes no sense. But then they have the in-school suspensions, right? Uh, yep. That's but what the students say... What the students said is just one student. He said, yeah, well, I missed the class because now they're jawing at me in the office and send me home. So the next day I come at, back and I'm supposed to know what was taught that day that I missed because they were jawing at me. And I have to know what's going on in the classroom that day, too. So they said, you know, we just get further and further behind. So yeah. what there has to be some better way to figure out if you want kids to conform, if you want them, do you want them to conform or do you want them to comply or do you want them to agree to the terms and then just understand and follow the rules? Comply. There's a lot of complying, expected complying, and some of those rules that are expected to be complied with have not been introduced. These kids don't know them. They're not like, this isn't something you don't do. They have to kind of tiptoe around that. It's very strange. And, and having to comply is a very strict approach. Mm-hmm. Not very compassionate. It doesn't reach the student very nicely. Go, we haven't complied with this. And then they argue and they go, now you're really not complying. <laughs> We're going to hide you somewhere in an expulsion. Go to that alternative program, you know, the disciplinary one we don't support. <laughs> okay. That's what you're seeking, is it not? I mean, honestly, aren't we trying to resolve problems? <laughs> we need to resolve problems and they're not going to come from a dictate from above. Yeah, when no one is interested in resolving anything. It's like, no, they well, just that didn't work. <laughs> I want you to do what I tell you to do because. Because mm-hmm. I want it. It's because it's supposed to work this way. I think it would. Really? Have you consulted everybody around you and everyone they know as well? I mean, honestly. Well, that in itself comes from from a high level of insecurity. Certain lack of faith. <laughs> you think you yeah. can control the world. You think True. The lack of faith is that you think you're the highest person there. You don't have faith in anything above yourself. <laughs> Yikes. But we've digressed. 
Yeah, so, it's just talking okay. in the classroom like that for sure. It is <laughs> completely difficult. It's actually impossible. It's one against 28. <laughs> you lose right away. Or 43. Oh, God, God forbid I was trying to use a reasonable number. <laughs> okay. So I think we covered it pretty well. Yeah. We may have just scratched the surface, but hopefully y'all have a better idea of what this is. You have the articles below. You can read those and take a look. You can get a great gist and then start thinking to yourself, how are we in our district in our state, whatever state you're in, because I know there's a lot of you from all over the states who are listening. And a lot of, we have people from abroad as well. Uh, over 45 different countries are listening in. How do you deal with this? And I'd love to hear feedback about some really great ideas that might be implemented. So how do you do that? So um, I know that different countries have different cultures. So some of the things that we talk about, they're rolling their eyes saying, oh, thank goodness we don't have this but you know and then others are probably oh, you have it easy anyway whatever it is yeah it, there's a lot of variance there is but so humans doing what humans do tend to do that same thing just in different ways unfortunately yeah okay so we are done for the week be sure to catch us on youtube so you can actually look at our handsome mugs and we are on all podcast platforms so until next week i will bid you all adieu and philip aloha bye-bye